the hardest thing about anxiety and depression and trauma and abuse and all of it is that when you have to put in the work to get through something or to heal a wound, it's usually something that you didn't ask for or you didn't cause. And that's why people are drawn to substance abuse and the quick fix, the things that can just kind of numb something instantly. Of course, that's attractive when you're hurting 24 hours a day, right? Um, but if you are willing to put in the work, there is so much beauty that can come from that. And there is, you have no idea all the ways that you'll be used and helped to inspire other people and speak with other people and walk through hard seasons of life with other people. If you're just willing to say, all right, maybe my grandpa was abused and maybe my dad was abused and maybe my dad abused me. And now if I don't want to be that way, to break this in this family tree, this, this line, this, this linear thing that's happened, it keeps happening. If I want to break this, I have to be the one that puts in the work to stop it. What's going on, everyone? And welcome to another episode of Trevor Talks, where we talk to real people about real topics and real stories. Today's guest is one that I've personally been a fan of for going on a decade now. And this guy has an amazing story and offers so much hope and encouragement through his work in music. He's the lead vocalist for the wildly successful metalcore band Memphis Mayfire and the owner of On Point Pomade. And guys, I don't think you're ready for this, but here is Maddie Mullins. Maddie, welcome to the show, brother. What's up, man? Thanks for having me. Dude, thanks for finally uh, making this happen. I feel like we've had this combo in the air for like two years and we're finally getting to do it. So Yeah, I feel uh, like there's a lot a lot in the air for the last two years and that's just just finally happening. So yes, man. Sounds about right. Yeah. Which you guys just wrapped up your first arena tour with breaking Benjamin, which is freaking crazy. How was that? Dude, it was, I mean, it felt like imposter syndrome, you know, (laughs) like just cause I mean, like when we sit down to write records, it's like, we don't have arenas in mind. We just Mm -hmm. are stoked that, anyone cares to listen. Right. And, uh, and so just being out there, we just felt blessed every day and, um, Papa Roach and Breaking Benjamin, both bands were just so kind and, and gracious to us. And it was, uh, it was dream come true, man. That's, that's the best I can put it. It was just, uh, an experience I never thought I would have. And, and, uh, now that I have hoping to have more (laughs) for sure. Yeah, dude. Well, I think there's a lot more coming up, but you guys have obviously been super busy working on this new record remade in misery, which will be out in June. What all can you tell us about it, man? Like obviously from the singles that we've already heard, which I want to dive into some of them. I do have a favorite, not going to tell you which one yet, but this is probably the best work that you guys have ever done. It's the heaviest record for sure. And it's your seventh studio album. There's so much wrapped around this record that there is to discuss, but dude, on the surface level, what can you tell us about Remade in Misery? Yeah, man. I mean, it feels like um, obviously the pandemic was a crushing time for everybody. It's like there's not, some people had awful experiences and some people had bad experiences, but it, you know, for the most part, everybody dealt with some sort of trauma or some sort of you know, um, setback from the pandemic. Uh, but I think that it would be ignorant to not acknowledge the silver lining of the pandemic. And that was forced time for everybody to reflect, to sit and reflect and look at everything that had been going on up until that moment and wondering what the future was going to look like and saying, well, this is all I have. And for us, all we had was the music. It wasn't about touring anymore because we couldn't. Um, it wasn't about merch because we weren't on the road selling it, you know, like it wasn't, about 
music videos, you know, cause we couldn't travel to like literally everything about a band stopped except writing music. And so we were just like, man, how can we utilize this time? And, um, and it really felt like we got back to, you know, they say like, you have your whole life to write your first album. And it's so true because once you have a little bit of success and things start moving, it's really easy to get so wrapped up in that, that you believe the lie that like, I don't have time to write the best music possible. Like I have a month and a half and whatever comes up in that is what we've got. Cause I got to get back out on the road. I can't skip this opportunity. I can't miss out on this, blah, 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 blah. And the pandemic like reframed my mindset to say like, you are only here making music because people are caring to listen to it. And for that reason, they deserve the absolute best that you can possibly give them. And if that means missing out on other opportunities while you create something that you're truly proud of, um, then that's what it means. And that's what it'll be for us in the future moving forward. I mean, this is, in my opinion, undoubtedly our best record yet. And, you know, for us to be this far in and um, having been a band this long and be putting out something that we're the most proud of out of anything in our catalog, it just goes to show that we really do need to um, take the time that we deserve to make a record that our fans deserve in the future. So yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's special, man. It feels really special. It definitely does. I will say from like a fan perspective, it's one of those things where the whole record is positive. Number one, but number two, like that Memphis signature sound is there and it's almost like we're getting something that nobody ever knew they needed, especially in this time. Like obviously everybody had a lot of time at home to really figure things out, but you guys came back with a vengeance, dude. Like this thing is crazy phenomenal and people are going to eat it up. Like I think this will be the most successful record you've had yet. And my favorite off the record so far is actually the fight within, Mm. which it's one of the most beautiful pieces I've heard in years. And I'm not just saying that because you're right here. Like you can ask my business partner, my brother, like I've been listening to this nonstop and it's almost like an anthem for humanity. It's like one of those Mm. songs that you hear and you're like, this covers all the tracks. Like whether you're struggling with mental health, financial distress, maybe you're going through a divorce or bad breakup, suicidal ideation, there's a little something for you in this. And really just to map out some of the lyrics in that, says, as I walk on down this road, I know I'm not alone, but sometimes I feel no hope. When it gets too dark to see the light in front of me, I remember what I've seen, what I believe. I might be lost until I reach the end, but I'll keep moving. With every step, I know I'll fall again, but I'll get through it. Because when I think I'm about to break, I could see my growth and pain. So I might be lost, but I'll find the fight within. Hmm. Everybody has those moments where they need to hear that. Mm. And it's almost as if you took everybody's journal through the pandemic and mapped it out into a song. And it's not the heaviest song on the record. Um, It's something that everyone's going to hear and they're going to be like, I didn't know I needed this. So when it comes to the fight within, can you tell us a little bit about the conceptual process and the writing process to really crafting this thing to come to life? Yeah, dude, I appreciate the kind words, man. Thank you so much. Um, You know, something that I've learned over the last couple of years is that I went through a phase of feeling like if I wasn't offering some hopeful, 
you know, like foundation or light at the end of the tunnel in every song that we put out, then I was doing our fans a disservice because I'm a hope enthusiast and I feel like people need hope, right? Like I know people need hope. And um, so as we were starting to gear up to write this record, I was like, man, I just, I feel like in my life, the times when I have started to heal was not when somebody came up and said, Hey, everything's going to be all right. You know, like God's in control. Like you got this. It's everything. Keep your chin up. Like those are not the healing moments in, in the early stages. The healing moments in early stages is when someone says, dude, I know exactly what you're going through. You're not the only one dealing with that. You're not going crazy. Um, I know it sucks and it's so hard to, to feel like you're the only one who understands how dark it really is, but just know that I know what it's like too. And we're going to get through this together. Um, and so that's what these songs are that, you know, the, the whole makeup of this album is just brutal honesty of the things that we go through and the struggles that we have and the conflicts outwardly and inwardly. Um, and the fight within, I really wanted to be that thing that wrapped up the entire record where, you know, like we've got all these songs and maybe this one's for you, or maybe this one's for you, or maybe this one's for you and this one's for you, but this one, this one at the end, this one's for everybody. Um, and that's, uh, that's what I think we tackled that with, with this song, the fight within. And so, um, yeah, dude, I really appreciate that. I know it's not, it's not a heavy tune at all. Um, and so I never know what people are going to think. Uh, but I was, when we finished it, it felt special. It felt like, um, it felt like we had done what we wanted to do with that tune. It's beyond that though. Like anybody that hears this, whether you like metalcore or not, it's not a metalcore track. It has its Memphis roots in it, but the lyrics are heavy. They're probably the heaviest lyrics on the album. Mm. And everybody needs to hear this at some point or another, like especially with uh, organizations like beneath the skin and heart support. There's so many people coming forward being like, look, I need help. Like mm. I'm not okay. And mental health has been a taboo thing for such a long time. And over the past few years, you know, you've seen a lot of people coming around to the idea of like, Oh, maybe that's something that someone can't control. But even the first time that we got connected was what 2015, 2016, I was with project semicolon. I was supposed to interview you and Brittany at the masquerade. And I had a terrible panic attack and called out until like last minute. I was like, Oh yeah, I'm still going to come to the show. Um, but like, those are real moments mm. fighting panic. You don't know what's going on. Like for me personally, my heart will just start beating uncontrollably. My mind will start racing. I can't really think about anything other than, Oh, like, am I dying? Like what's going on? Yeah. And it wasn't until I went through like years of therapy and finding like medication that works. Cause I believe God can use medication to heal people. I don't think that absolutely that's that's still a weird thing within the church, not to get too preachy, but like that's faith and mental wellness intersect. And we need to acknowledge that as a whole, but like music has been a big deal for me personally to heal through this stuff. So knowing that there are songs like this out there for people to grasp onto and use as an anthem through their journey is a huge thing. But the rest of the record, like remade in misery, like I want to talk about, the song that just earned you song of the year at the Grizzly Awards, Blood and Water. 
Um, this was the first of many singles that came out. And, you know, you guys are doing it very different with the marketing for this record, which I could really appreciate as a marketing person. Like you have a visualizer for every single song and some people are like, it's the same music video over and over. It's not supposed to be that. Like it's a visualizer. Mm. It's, would you rather just stare at the cover? Or do you want to see a banging track and actually be able to feel the music? Yep. So commend you guys for that. I think is amazing, but what is this song about and why do you think people love it so much? I know I instantly gravitated towards it like, yeah, let's go. But why are people loving this so much? It's amazing. Man, I don't know. I, you know, I feel like our last couple of records have been really experimental for us and we've done some things like we tried some things that we've wanted to try and it was so fun and, um, you know, had awesome opportunities to be introduced into the world of radio and, meet a lot of cool people and um, have some exposure in places that we had never had before. And when we sat down to write this record, the songs we were writing just felt like we had tapped back into the angst of the early years of when we were a band and just starting to write music for the first time. And so um, with blood and water, you know, like the song is about abuse. Um, and I think that everybody experiences abuse on some level, right? It's not just about physical abuse. Um, it's, you know, and obviously physical abuse is, is awful. Um, but you know, like people experience abuse in, in form of manipulation, um, you know, just verbal abuse in general, um, in the workplace, whatever it might be. Um, and I think everybody can relate on some level. And I think that's why the message carries across, but being that it was our first single that we put out, um, people not really knowing what to expect because our last couple of records were a little different than what people were used to for us. Um, I think that everybody kind of felt this like, oh my gosh, like, I feel like I just got taken back in time to, uh, you know, the first time I heard Memphis and it was this really special, it was this really special thing. We definitely with this record went back to something that gave us our start while bringing everything that we've learned along the way and, and incorporating that. And I think that that is what makes the best Memphis Mayfire record of all time. It's not so far left field. It's songs that you think that we would write. Um, but it's better than what we used to write. And, um, so yeah, it's, uh, I think that it was maybe a bit of a shock for everybody to see us kind of like going back to form in that way and, um, caused quite, quite the, uh, the tidal wave there at the beginning is crazy. Yeah. And, uh, just to like put it out there, like with broken and the slide I hold yet was like experimental, but your roots stayed the same. The lyrical content didn't change. Um, and like my favorite song off of broken is you and me just because it puts you in your feels. And it's like, dude, what the heck? Like, where did yeah. this come from? <laughs> you got to pull an Andy Minio, um, which was something nobody expected, but like, I agree with you. Like this record has a sense of nostalgia to it, but you're also still pressing the bar. Nobody else has a record like this coming out. Um, and the next song I really want to cover is somebody where did mm -hmm. this journey start for this song? It's somebody was the, the first tune that we wrote, um, for the record, actually. Um, Kellen always has like a, a bunch of instrumental demos and that's what I end up writing too. But, um, when I really decided to dive in and start working on vocals for the record, this was the first one that stood out. I had a chorus that just came to me instantly. Um, the melody at least. And, I um, invited my buddy Cody over. I was like, Cody, so Cody, uh, he sings, plays guitar and writes for a band called Wage War that he lives about 
10 minutes from me and we hang out every single day, right? So um, when it came time to write and we couldn't travel for the pandemic, um, because of the pandemic, I was like, Cody, do you want to write with me instead of me traveling to go write with people? And um, we sat down and I was like, what, what about starting with this rock tune? And we did. And it was just this explosive moment of like friendship and excitement and ideas bouncing off each other in this way that I had never experienced in a writing environment like that. Um, and so we had a killer time and it just came out, the song came out like it's, it's heavy and it's got its rock elements and it's got a, a really special breakdown in it. Um, but it's almost like dancey. It's almost like it makes you want to dance. Um, and it's, yeah, it's, it's unlike anything we've ever done. It's got a new flavor and it just felt really special. Uh, the song is about addiction, obviously. So it's a heavy topic. Um, but it's paired with something that makes it feel more approachable. I feel like to, to anybody that would listen and maybe hopefully get something out of it. Yeah. So many people out there struggling with addiction. I mean, even statistics have shown through the pandemic addiction has gone up, whether it's opioid or self-medicating. It's been a hard few years for people and, Again, this lyrical content is exactly what somebody needs. And each song has its own message, the whole record as a whole, like all pieces together super well. And the last song that I want to talk about, like specifically is Make Believe. Hmm. What's the story behind it? Yeah, so um, I had the instrumental from Kellen. I was driving to the post office. I'll never forget. Like I was literally driving almost to the post office. I was pulling into the the parking lot and the chorus hit and I hadn't heard it yet. And right when the chorus hit, I instantly started singing this melody where it kind of jumped to this special note. And I was like, oh, and I like zoomed over to pull into a parking lot and I almost got in a car accident because I was like, I got to put that on a voice memo before I forget it. Um, and I did and I brought it back and I'd just been sitting on it for a few days and I had this other idea and we sat down to like really dive into it. And just the way that the track felt it felt like it catered to, um, in my mind, a song about feeling lost, feeling desperate, hopeless, lost, confused, and questioning everything. Kind of like this alternate reality, um, this, you know, like matrix environment where you just start to wonder if everything is a simulation, um, which lends itself to almost every mental health issue. You know, when you are struggling and you feel alone, you feel like you're the only one that understands what you're going through and it makes you feel off. It makes you feel daisy. It makes you feel crazy. Um, panic, anxiety, just in general, um, all of those things can make you feel trapped and make you experience the world differently than everybody else around you, you know? And regardless of whether or not it's actually an alternate reality, it feels that way when you're really in the thick of it. I mean, it really does feel like you are seeing and experiencing things on a completely different level than other people are. And it's so low and it's so like scary. And, um, so anyways, I wanted to write from that perspective and, um, we shot the video with Ori McGinnis specifically because what he specializes in, I knew that he could tackle kind of the concept and the feel of it. Um, but yeah, from the jump, that one felt like something that was going to probably last it with, with our band, um, in our live sets for years, you know, like we haven't even started the radio campaign for that song, but when we do, I think that it's probably going to make a pretty big splash or at least I hope so. Um, cause it feels so, it feels so new. It feels so fresh, especially for us. Yeah. 
and it is for fans as well. And so since we've covered the record and I can't wait for people to hear it, but until they can, I kind of want to move to your personal journey a little bit. What I feel the most beneficial thing about this show in particular is that people get to hear stories behind their favorite voices of hope. So even starting in a childhood, whatever you feel comfortable talking about, what's the story behind Maddie Mullins and the things that helped you craft into the person that you are today? Shoot, dude. I guess I'm still trying to figure that out. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I mean, I, w- I grew up in Spokane, Washington. I was raised in the church. Um, my dad was a pastor um, and dealt with some traumatic things at, in, in early years of, of my childhood that I didn't have any clue were going to affect me later in life, um, but became really big parts of who I was subconsciously. I didn't realize like I carried myself a certain way or thought about myself a certain way um, because of what had happened. And so I get to a certain point in life where I realize that, wow, I've tackled so many of these things, so many of these goals, these like kind of like things that felt out of reach that I never thought that I would a- obtain. And then I got to that point and then I'm like, okay, well, why am I the the saddest I've ever been? You know, this doesn't make sense. Um, and I started dealing, I had a really, really rough bout with anxiety and depression about nine years ago, um, that lasted for a couple years. And it was just, I mean, indescribable, it, you know, like I knew nothing and I didn't have any friends that were talking about these things. And so it just made me feel out of my mind, like completely. And the band's still touring, writing music at that time, and I had to try to keep up with the pace of everything, and I just started to fall apart. My wife and I were living in Seattle. We had some friends that were visiting. You know, We were going to a church in Seattle that was um, that's not there anymore, um, but we had some friends come in, and they were like, hey, we're going to try this church. You guys want to come with us? And we we're like, sure. You know, And the whole time, I remember sitting in, in that church and just feeling like the roof was going to collapse, like all these like crazy, like anxious thoughts, these things that were so irrational. Um, but I remember the way that the pastor spoke was unlike anything that I'd ever experienced before. And I was like, I felt like he was speaking directly to me. And I was like, man, this is really special. So we kept going back and it was awesome. And I ended up buying a, a Apple TV and Velcroing it to the wall in the, in the tour bus. And I just watched um, his sermons over and over and over again, you know, every single sermon that was ever on the internet, just trying to figure out like, how can I be so low and how can I feel so abandoned and, and, confused and scared and anxious if God loves me. Like, how is that possible? And I was like, so I have two choices here. I can either abandon my faith and try to figure this out on my own, or I can believe wholeheartedly that God loves me and learn as much about that as possible and see which one pans out. And um, so, yeah, I just dove in. I was like, you know, this is the time in my life where carrying my parents' beliefs and my parents' faith is no longer enough. This is a this is a turning point for me. I have to I know what I've been taught and now I have to figure out what it is that I believe. And um we were just we were on the road a lot. We had so much going on and I remember um I got a book. I was in Europe actually and just feeling so lost and confused and scared and um I I got this book uh written by Judah Smith called Jesus Is and I was laying in my bunk, sweating, 
I was like profusely sweating, um, just like cold sweats, nervous sweats. And I cracked this book open and I read the forward and I was just like, oh man, like something is instantly relieving. And everything that I had learned about the gospel and everything that had become so cloudy and so religious and, and just kind of lost its taste almost, um, in this one simple book, this beautifully simple book, everything kind of came back to life in, in a way that I really felt like God was speaking directly to me. And, um, I was just more on fire for my faith than ever before. I felt like this is, you know, talking openly about my faith is, is going to probably affect my band really negatively. And it has, right. But I can't stare somebody else in the face who's struggling the way that I was and say, man, I never figured it out either. I have to say, man, I really benefited so much from figuring out what it actually meant to be loved by the supernatural creator of the universe, regardless of how I feel, regardless of how, what I'm going through to know that I don't have to look for a way out because someone's fighting for me. Exodus 14, 14 says the Lord himself will fight for you. You need only be still. And that was so powerful to me in that moment. My sister used to call me. She's awesome. She's a therapist and she helps so much, but she used to call me and say things to me all the time that were really helpful. And she was like, Matt, this too shall pass. This too shall pass. And it was just, um, it was a really beautiful time, dude. I, I, we ended up moving to Tennessee um, kind of later in my experiences with, with all of that, but I hadn't quite gotten to the end of it. And I started doing therapy and I did what's called EMDR therapy, which is really Same. fantastic. Um, you know, uh, uses rapid bilateral eye movement, uh, recreates bilateral eye movement to uh, process early childhood traumas um, or any traumas for that matter. But um, did that. And I also uh, started medications that were really helpful and just felt like by the time I had gotten to the end of that whole season, I looked back and I realized that in the moments when I was really like crying out and saying like, God, why won't you just take this away? Why won't you just show up? If you love me, how could you let me feel this way? Um, and I realized that he was just right there, right there in front of me saying, I know how bad this hurts. I was there too. I was Jesus in man form, fully man and fully God. I felt it. I felt it all. I wept. I know what this feels like. Um, but I promise the fruit that you will bear from this season far outweighs the relief of if I was to just take this all away right now. And, um, anxiety and depression can come in waves, man. It can come in waves and having tools that you can, you know, acquire in therapy. Um, even if you're just doing online sessions or whatever, um, knowing if there is a medication that can help you, that's not going to change you, but really genuinely help you. Um, all of those things are so beneficial. And I just encourage anybody who's struggling out there to, to stop believing this for a second, stop believing everything that's going on in here. Say, okay, well, if a year ago I was happy and right now I'm not, and I can't remember what it was like to be happy, then certainly I must not know everything. Certainly there is a chance that a year from now I could be really happy. I'm going to stop waking up every morning and telling myself I'm never going to be happy again. I'm going to stop waking up in the morning and imagining all the bad things that are going to happen. I'm going to trust that I'm not in control. I'm going to trust that I don't know how everything pans out. And I'm going to trust that I'm loved. And I am also going to put in the effort and put in the work to get through something 
that I didn't ask for. That's the hardest thing about anxiety and depression and trauma and abuse and all of it is that when you have to put in the work to get through something or to heal a wound, it's usually something that you didn't ask for or you didn't cause. And that's why people are so uh, drawn to substance abuse and the quick fix, the things that can just kind of numb something instantly. Of course, that's attractive when you're hurting 24 hours a day, right? Um, but if you are willing to put in the work, there is so much beauty that can come from that. And there is, you have no idea all the ways that you'll be used and helped to inspire other people and speak with other people and walk through hard seasons of life with other people. If you're just willing to say, all right, maybe my grandpa was abused and maybe my dad was abused and maybe my dad abused me. And now if I don't want to be that way, to break this in this family tree, this, this line, this, this linear thing that's happened, it keeps happening. If I want to break this, I have to be the one that puts in the work to stop it, you know? Um, and so, yeah, man, it, um, my, my story was, was that, and it, and it still is ongoing, still so much to learn every day and so much to walk through and life will throw crazy things at you, dude. But, um, I'm living proof. I'm, you know, that, Therapy is an incredible tool. Um, the medication does work and that God is so in love with every single person that he created. So that's me. And that whole journey for you is assumingly like what was based around the lyrical content of unconditional. And I think the vulnerability that went into that is what made that record, what it is and why it's such a staple in your career. It's like, it wasn't, let's put out a record. It was, I'm going to dive into this journey for myself and map it out for everybody else to see. And there's one song on that record that I would like to talk about. And it's again, one of my favorite tracks uh, from a Memphis record being the last song, uh, which is divinity. I remember the first time I heard it was just like, dude, I've never felt more seen in my life or heard. Um, Can we talk about that? What, where did that song come from? Like, do you remember the writing process for it? Yeah. I mean, I was, um, living in an extended stay hotel in Phoenix while we were doing a record. Everyone else was done. And I was just, man, I was in such a bad place. That was during this whole thing. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, diving into just learning everything I could just desperately reaching for relief, you know, to God and saying, give me something. And, um, I was living alone in this extended stay. It was depressing. It was like, I just felt so lost. And um, I remember going into the studio to track vocals every day and just feeling like my eyes were physically like blurry. It was just hard to see and, and experience what was all around me. And um, as we started to get to the end of that record and the writing process, God had revealed himself to me while we were doing that record. It was unreal. You know, we went from songs like Sleepless Nights um, to songs like no ordinary love mm-hmm. and they're not like that in a uh, sequence, like on the record. So it's not like you'll, you know, kind of see how it all panned out, but it was, I mean, we kind of bounced around and, um, divinity was, uh, it just felt like, um, this, this self declaration of, of, I, I understand now just how valuable I am. I think that, that people who are feeling like they're at the end of a rope have, subconsciously not unknowingly been talking to themselves in such hurtful ways or have been talked to in such hurtful ways 
for so long that you just start to believe it. You know, your actual physical, like neuroplasticity of your brain is, is, has been trained to believe that you're not valuable. And, um, and I just wanted to remind myself and remind everybody that they're a miracle, you know? Yeah. They are a miracle story. And dude, this whole record remade in misery is a resource for people. And when this comes out, the record is not out yet. Um, and I always like to send people to a resource. And I think one of the really cool resources that we could send people to is the lyrical content in unconditional, just because those lyrics and the messages in it are coming from that broken and lost feeling and just finding that faith for maybe the first time for some people. Yeah. So I want to send people that way. And also beneath the skin, I'd love to talk about your wife's organization, which she runs, um, what can you tell us about Beneath the Skin and how can people get involved? Yeah, so um, Beneath the Skin is a mentoring program for young women all over the country, um, specifically aimed towards women. And um, what happens is if you sign up and you and you want to go through the program as a mentee, uh, Beneath the Skin will pair you up with a mentor that is of, uh, you know, peer age. They're not going to be someone that's a lot older than you. Right. Um, but a friend, somebody who had signed up to be a mentor that says, Hey, I'm in a great season and I just want to walk through somebody, uh, you know, a season of life with somebody and encourage them and love on them. Um, and as a mentee, you sign up and, and you get to, for, you know, like a 12 month program, just literally have somebody that you can reach out to and talk to. And, you know, um, I think they really have noticed just how bad, um, the loneliness epidemic is in America and all over the world, right? For, for young women. And, um, so they offer this incredible 12 month mentoring program, um, some really amazing people that work for the organization and, um, they do awesome stuff. So yeah, it's beneath the skin online.org. You can go and check it out if it's something that you're interested in. Um, if you're not female, um, you know, uh, heart support is, does incredible things. Um, They've got a lot of awesome online resources um, and, you know, looking into um, counseling therapy of any kind, like within your actual area to be in person with someone I think is also really valuable. So, yeah. And one thing that we talk about quite a bit is when it comes to therapy, when people start their therapy journey, they'll not like find a therapist that isn't the right fit for them. So what would your encouragement be for somebody that has been like, I tried therapy, it didn't work for me where should they start? I think that if you really have given it an effort, um, you know, it's, it's okay to say, Hey, this therapist wasn't the right fit. That's, that's totally okay. Um, and if you haven't, if you've only been once or twice, I would say stick it out and, and continue. Um, even if someone's not a perfect fit, I think you can still benefit a lot from it. Um, therapists more than anything are there to listen and, uh, be an open ear that you can say things to that you just can't say to anybody else, you know, a non-judgmental environment. Um, Maybe, you know, your parents claim to not be judgmental and they want to be there for you, but you just know that they just know everything about you. And, you you know, there's some things they maybe don't know about you that you don't want them to know. And, you know, you don't feel like you can actually share openly and honest with, with them. The confidentiality of a therapist um, is so wonderful because you can go into this environment and just, be not strong for anyone. You can go in and you don't have to be strong for anybody. You can just speak. Um, you don't have to hide anything. 
Um, it's illegal to hang out with your therapist outside of a therapy environment. So, <laughs> so this is not somebody that you're going to pursue a relationship with outside of this, right? Like you can literally go and just be you, the, the filthiest version of you, the lowest version of you, the most hurt version of you. Um, you can be that person and, um, and just being able to be that person can be so incredibly helpful. So yeah, I would say stick it out and, um, and if you don't feel like your person is right after, you know, four or five sessions or whatever, then then try somebody else. It's totally okay to do that. But don't ever give up on therapy as a whole because um, there's not a single person in the entire world that couldn't benefit from therapy. So, Amen to that. If you're struggling today, be sure to check out all the resources in the description below, starting with BeneathTheSkinOnline.org for our females out there that maybe they just, you just feel uneasy, depressed, anxious, lonely right now. We want to help you get paired with a mentor in that capacity. Check out heartsupport.org, death, the number two, life.com, as well as teenhopeline.com if you're a teenager and really need somebody to talk to. Um, huge advocate for therapy here. We we want to see you get better. We want to see you live another day. We want you to know that you are loved and that you have so much purpose and that God has an amazing story for your life. And Maddie, mm -hmm. thank you so much for joining us, dude. I believe that this conversation is going to be healing for a lot of people. And it's just awesome to finally have you on the show. Yeah. Likewise, Trevor, thanks for having me on, man. And um, anybody that listens or watches, thanks for taking time out of your precious day to, to hang out with us. This is just as cool for us. So yeah. And Remade in Misery is available on all streaming platforms starting on June 3rd. Be sure to get, go download all of the singles that are out now. Go watch those music videos. They've got some crazy, amazing merch packages out right now on pre-order. Go check that out. We love you guys so much. Go get help if you need it. We love you. We'll talk to you next week. Bye now. This, this is my skyship dreamer. My cargo is stories, and our destination, dreams. With Abide Sleep Stories for Kids, you can help your children fall asleep fast and learn about God. To find these kids' bedtime stories, go to lifeaudio.com or search your favorite podcast app for Abide Stories for Kids. You can also download the Abide app for more biblical meditations at abide.com.